Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know this message that you're about to hear. I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube, let me encourage you to hit subscribe, stay tapped in. You know, I also wanna take the time to thank all those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it weren't for our friends who come alongside us in prayer and supporting us financially. You know, there are thousands, there are thousands who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can give by visiting cfmiami.org give. We also wanted to update you on something important. Recently, our on-demand services will be available starting Sunday evenings. To catch the entire service, be sure that you're logging onto our live streams when we begin services Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Otherwise, you'll be catching the service midway through. Enjoy this sermon. Hey, you know, as we have just sang that song, you know, I always like to remind you, you are the children of God. It's amazing that we're able to gather together as a church family and sing, it is you, oh God, that we adore, that we love. Can we praise our Heavenly Father today like you mean it? Come on. Amen. Hey, well, welcome. Good morning. It's a beautiful day to worship our God. My name is Omar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome all the campuses joining us live all throughout Miami. It is a blessing that we get, to get, uh, that we get together, uh, a live stream across all of our campuses, study God's Word in spirit and in truth. But not only that, I want to welcome all of our global campuses. Uh, right now, they're having their global conference. Come on, let's encourage our global campus right now. Thank you so much. We love you wherever you're watching. And uh, today, we're continuing our journey through the book of Genesis in the series called Wrestling with God. Today, we are tackling the topic, wrestling with God for His blessings. Oh yeah, you know, we're going to find out a little more what that means as we dive into God's Word. And so if you have your Bible... Open them up to Genesis chapter 32, and uh, you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. It says, And that same night he arose, speaking of Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. That's a river. And then he took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had, and Jacob was alone. And then listen carefully. And then it says, and a man, what church family? Wrestled. What did he do? Wrestled. Yeah, he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you what church? Bless. Yeah, unless you bless me. In other words, Jacob endured, persevered for the prize of the blessing. Amen. That is God's word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And family, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, one of my good friends is Dr. Jason Harrison, uh, who's not only part of my men's small group, but he's also joined us on this very stage last year for the series, The Conversationalist. Uh, if you recall, he was the one who helped us, the expert, uh, processing the topic of gender identity. And he was a tremendous blessing for our church, right? As we study God's word and processed it as a church. And folks, as I got to know Jason, 
I began to realize that he absolutely loves the sport of wrestling. Oh yeah. In fact, not only is he the principal at his school, he's also get this, at the same time, he's the wrestling coach for his entire school. Now folks, follow me here because the more I talk to Jason about wrestling, the more I realize how fascinating of a sport it really is. And he was sharing with me that usually, most of the time, wrestlers in a match are pretty evenly matched. You know, they are of similar talent, of similar skill. In other words, it's not much that differentiates one from the other. But one of the things, the determining factor that usually determines the winner of a match, especially at the highest level, is one thing. And that is perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. Yeah, perseverance. In other words, because at some point when one of the wrestlers loses that perseverance, loses that desire to endure in the match, eventually they make a critical mistake, which eventually leads them to lose the match. So in, in, in other words, the one who pushes through the fatigue, the one who perseveres to the very end, usually is the one that gets the prize. Folks, there's no better example of this than what happened this past spring at the NCAA National Championships. You see, Spencer Lee was, is a, was a three-time world champion. Oh, yeah. And he was now working on his fourth championship. And folks, he was wrestling at that time, um, uh, another, the number four ranked wrestler, Matt Ramos. And in the middle of the match, listen, he was dominating Ramos. In fact, towards the end, listen, with 50 seconds to go, he was up by three points, which in wrestling is a tremendous advantage. But folks, as the whole nation watched this match, all eyes on this match, at one point, something very interesting happened. Spencer Lee, for whatever reason, they stopped persevering in the match. He stopped enduring in the, in the middle of the match. And so as he began to do that, he began to make some critical mistakes, but the one who did not stop persevering was his opponent, Mount Ramos. And as he continued, listen, Ramos pulled up the greatest upset in wrestling history. In fact, take a look at this video, and Spencer Lee is the one in the black. Take a look. The carpet, immediately the whistle should be blown and the play should be dead. So three-point deficit for Ramos here in the final minute of the third. He is out. Two-point match. Ramos able to knock Lee to his rear end there. Locked hands. Able to roll through. Did he oh, catch him on oh, the wow. He did. He's got him. He's got him on his back. Oh, my goodness. Look out. It's Ramos. He's looking for the fall. He's looking for the fall. If he just holds him here. He's going to pull one of the biggest upsets in NCAA wrestling history. No one would have expected this. Oh, my goodness. He's not going to get off his back. Not going to be able to. He did it. Stepped across right there. And he's looking, he's for, the looking for the fall. He's looking for the fall. seen any 
Serena is on their feet. Holy cow. Matt Ramos of Purdue has knocked off one of the greatest college wrestlers of all time. What an incredible... Yeah, pretty cool, right? And, and folks, do not miss this because listen, that match was not won by strength. It was not won by talent. Folks, it was won by perseverance. You see, at that critical juncture of the match, when Spencer Lee stopped persevering, Ramos, on the other hand, kept perseverance. And because of it, listen, pulled the biggest upset in college wrestling history. And it's sad to say that Spencer Lee went from being considered the greatest wrestler in history to get this, the greatest quitter in history. Why? Because he stopped persevering at the critical point of the match. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because what an example of how we should persevere the things of God. And by that I mean that just like a wrestler, in order to obtain the prize, needs to persevere to the very end, even at the critical moments of the match, just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word. Listen, in our journey with the Lord, there are gonna be certain blessings that we can only experience if we persevere to the very end. And folks, there's unfortunately so many Christians, children of God, who at a critical juncture in their life, in an important season in their life, at a critical trial in their life, instead of persevering, instead of pursuing the Lord, they stop and they don't get to experience some of the most precious blessings that come in our walk with the Lord. Who knows, maybe you're sitting here right now, you're watching, and you think of those seasons in your life, those critical seasons in your life that you know that you did not persevere, that you did not pursue the Lord. And as a result, you didn't experience the blessings of God in that specific season, in that specific situation. And you're sitting here right now thinking, no more, listen, as I move forward in my journey with the Lord, at those critical moments, I don't want to miss out on God's working, on God's blessing. So what do we need to know in order to persevere at those critical moments of the journey? Folks, we're going to find out today, right? From Genesis chapter 32, from an ancient story, from the story of Jacob, all right? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 32, and folks, today I have three important thoughts for us as we dive into God's Word and learn how to persevere. Christ Fellowship at our campus, are you ready to dive into God's Word? Let me hear you. Come on. Okay. So write this down as point number one, very important for us to realize, and that is that wrestling with God for His blessings is part of the Christian journey. Now listen to what God's Word says. It says this. So Jacob went on his way, we've been studying his life, right? And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of, in the land of Sire, the country of Edom. 
instructing them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys, flocks, male servants and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Now, stop right there, all right, and let's slip into the scene. Because after 20 long years of being in Haran, right, God had commanded Jacob to come back to the land of promise, to the land of Canaan. And so as we see, as you see behind me, there should be a map coming up. Yeah, you see, he was in Haran for 20 years, and now God said, come back to the land of promise. So he makes his way all the way back. But as he's coming back with all of his family, his 11 children at that point, and he's still concerned that his brother Esau, that tw over 20 years ago, he stole this blessing. Listen, that Esau, his twin brother, still wants to kill him. And so he sends messengers of, ahead of the way to see, to let him know, hey, your servant Jacob is coming back, right? But then the report comes back and tells him that, over, that Esau is coming to meet him, get this, with 400 men. So obviously at this point, Jacob is terrified and listen to what happens next. So the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across a stream and everything else that he had and Jacob was left alone. And so come, let me just give you a visual of what's taking place here. So, so as we see that Jacob is coming south, right? We can see on the map really quick. Yeah, you see as Jacob is heading down into the land of Canaan, He's about to cross the Jabbok River. And Esau, his brother, is coming now from the south with about 400 men to meet Jacob. And so at the Jabbok, in fact, we have a picture so you have a visual of what that is. See, at that, more or less, at that region right there, Jacob sends his entire family across. They settled camp, and he, it seems like he stays behind alone to probably process what he's going to do when he finds he meets his brother Esau. And folks, listen to what happens next. So while he was there alone, a man, what church family? Wrestled, yeah, with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Keep that in mind for later on. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you, what church? Unless you bless me. Now, Jacob here knew that this was no ordinary man. There was something divine about this man that he was wrestling. In fact, later on, we're going to find out that this was actually God himself who he was wrestling. Now, you may think, well, how do you wrestle God? Well, we know it's not the God the Father who he's wrestling, right? Because the Father's a spirit. And if we even laid our eyes in our sinful flesh on the Father, we would consume us because of his holiness. So this has to be the second part of the Trinity, the Son of God in his pre-incarnated state. You see, I like to always remind you, you know, the, the life of Jesus didn't begin when he was birthed, when he was born in Bethlehem. Oh, no. Listen, Jesus has always existed. 
In fact, he was the one who spoke the world into existence. And throughout the Old Testament, there are certain moments where the pre-incarnated Christ appears, and we call those Christophanies. And so this has to be, should be, it looks like, another Christophany. But folks, do not miss this, because at the critical moment in his life, Jacob had to fight, wrestle for the blessings of God. Now, when we talk about wrestling for a blessing, it just may seem a little confusing, right? I get it. So, so let me just kind of help you sort this out in our minds. In fact, write this down as letter A. Listen, some of God's blessings are bestowed on you at salvation. In other words, the moment that you put your faith in Christ, in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, right? You surrendered your life to Christ. You started a personal relationship with God, and he made you his son. He made you his daughter, right? At that juncture, listen, you're, you, you started experiencing certain blessings of God by simply being a child of God. For example, like our eternal inheritance is secure, our eternity is, is, is secure, is guaranteed. This is why in Ephesians chapter one, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the what? In the heavenly places, right? And so anything that has to do with our salvation, our eternity, listen, we begin to experience that now. But not only that, you know, when you have a relationship with God and you become a child of God, there's also certain blessings that you get to experience for being a child of God. See, being able to have access to God, pray to God, have a relationship with God, experience his guidance, all the things that he has for us in this life. You know, it, you know many of you know I have two children, uh, Camila and Mateo, and the reality is that just because they are my children, right, they get to experience certain blessings, right? Their future is secure. They're, when I pass away, I'm gonna leave an inheritance for them. There's certain things, right? They can talk to me whenever they want. There's certain things that just simply being a child of God is blessings in itself, amen? amen. How, and nothing can ever change that. However, however, write this down, letter B. Some of God's blessings are bestowed on you through perseverance. You see, Jacob found himself in the middle of a critical moment in his life, and he knew that he could not continue forward without the blessings of God. And so what Jacob's life is going to teach us is that you will only experience certain blessings of God if you persevere for the things of God, if you strive after the things of God. And folks, in the same way, listen, Many of us may find ourselves in a critical moment like Jacob in our lives. Maybe you're going through a season like that right now in your own personal life. Maybe it's causing you fear, anxiety, issues in life. And let's be honest, some of us may not be experiencing certain blessings of God, God at work in your life. And could it be because you're not persevering after the things of God. So the question I want to pose for you is, listen, what is an area in your life right now that you are not experiencing the blessings of God, the favor of God, the work of God? Let's 
It's in a struggling marriage. You keep trying to do it on your own power. Is it in your family life? Is it maybe in your career? So maybe in your finances? You know, what is it in your life? Is it an issue with a family member? What is it in your life that you are not experiencing the work of God, the blessings of God, God intervening? Why? Is it because perhaps you are not pursuing the Lord in that specific area? But folks, here's what we're gonna learn. Write this down as big number two. That God honors he honors our perseverance of him and his blessings. In fact, listen to what happens next. And he, said to, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, have you ever wondered where the name Israel came out of for the nation of Israel? is right here in this moment in history. From that point on, all of his sons were called the sons of Israel. And, and, and so that's kind of, so now when you read, now you understand the context. But folks, listen to what happens next. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he, what church? He blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for he's saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So notice, in the most fearful moment of his life, in the longest night ever, the Lord blessed him after he persevered. And you may be wondering, well, why does God bless us only if we persevere after the things of God? Well, one of the reasons... It's probably is because our, in our perseverance, it reveals your trust in God. See, you would not be persevering after the things of God if you didn't believe that God had the power to bless, that God had the power to intervene, that God had the power to protect, right? You would not persevere after the things of God, after God himself, if you didn't believe, have trust and, and, and confidence that he would be the, that he, he can act. We can pray, we can, yeah. Now you, may be, now, you may be wondering, listen, Omar, how then technically can we persevere in a walk with God? Because, listen, I want to experience the blessings of God in my life. How do we do that? Well, listen, three ways. Write this down as letter A. First of all, listen, persevere through prayer. Amen. See, Here's what you need to understand. The reality is that the physical wrestling of Jacob here was the culmination of Jacob's spiritually wrestling with God before this actual physical match. In fact, listen to, go back with me to verse 7 and listen to what it says. It says, so then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, so he divided who were with him, the flocks and the herds and the camels, into two camps, thinking, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. So he's thinking, if Esau comes and kills my wife, my children, at least some of them will escape. So he's trying to prevent total annihilation. And then listen to what Jacob does. He begins to pray. And Jacob said, oh God of my father Abraham, 
And God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. Lord, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed the Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers and the children. So what do we see here? That Jacob here, he per at a critical moment in his life, he fervently prays to the Lord for him to intervene and to bless them with his protection. And so the question I wanna pose for you today, listen, are you seeking God in prayer about that one thing that's consuming your life? Are you going to the Lord and talking to him about it and telling him what's in your heart, what consumes your heart, what consumes your mind? Are you talking to the God who loves you? Here's the thing, there's so many who want God's blessings, but they never bother to talk to the one who can give the blessing. Wow. They text all their friends, they, put, they ask for prayer on Instagram, but they don't bother to start talking, yeah, to the one who loves them. When God encourages in his word, let us with confidence, confidence, draw near. Everyone say draw near. Everyone say, draw near, come on. Yeah, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. Listen, child of God, do you need mercy in your life? Do you need grace in your life? Do you need God's working and his presence? Then pray. Talk to the God who loves you. He's listening, amen? Second, write this down, letter B. Listen, persevere then also by trusting God's promises. Again, listen carefully to how Jacob finishes his prayer. Jacob prayed, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, God, that he may come and attack the mothers and the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And folks, here's what I love. Jacob not only prayed, but you gotta love Jacob, right? He recites God's promises back to him. He said, Lord, you said that you were going to multiply me. You were gonna make my descendants as great as the sand of the seashore, all these things. But Lord, I'm about to be annihilated, Lord. And so he recites, he promises back to God. Why? Because he believed in them. You know, and you have to commend Jacob here. You can say a lot of things about Jacob. We've learned a lot of issues that he had throughout his life. But you need to commend what he did here. Because listen, for so many of us, if we were in Jacob's shoes and we had all of our children who we loved, all the people who we loved, and we heard that there's an army of 400 men coming towards us, it's easy for Jacob to say, you know what, family, we know God's promises, we know what God said, but hey, let's go back to Haran. Yeah, let's go back, let's wait another 10, 20 years, we'll come back, because this is not looking good right now. But what did he do? He said, no, Lord, I'm staying right here. 
you promised me in your word that this will be the land for my people and that you were going to multiply me. So he kept pushing forward because of his belief in God's promises. You see, he, his faith in God's promises was so strong that it began to drown out his fears of his brother Esau. So the question I wanna pose for you today, listen, ask yourself this question. Is my trust in God's promises stronger than my fears? Is, ask yourself, that area that you're fearing, that you're concerned about, is my trust in God's promises stronger than my fears? Because listen, the key to Jacob at this juncture in his life is that, listen, there was a rock-solid confidence in God's promises. Amen? And folks, that trust led him to this. Write this down, let's let her see. The third thing is to persevere then through humble obedience. In fact, listen to what happens next. And there's uh, uh, one of my favorite stories points in this whole book of Genesis. Listen to what happens next. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So notice what he does. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two servants, and he put the servants with their children out front and their children. Then Leah with her children and then Rachel at the very end with Joseph, their only son at that point. And folks, that little boy, Joseph, by the way, he must have been a toddler at that juncture. Listen, that little boy is going to have an important role in the redemptive history. In fact, the next series, it's all going to be about that little boy at the last of the line, all right? That's coming up in a few weeks. But let's do what happens next. So then he himself, after he lined up his children, left Joseph to the end, he went to the front of the line, so to speak, and he went on before them, and notice, he began to bow himself to the ground seven times. So it seems like maybe he would bow down as Esau was coming, and he would bow down before him. He would stand up, he would walk more, and bow down seven times until he got to Esau, his brother. Here's a moment of truth. But then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children, he said, who are these with you? And Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and they bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near, and they bowed down. And then Rachel and little Joseph came, and they bowed down before Esau. And folks, here's what I love about this juncture. Jacob could have moved forward and obeyed what God was saying, but in pride. Hey, God is with me, right? Oh, I, I, I'm the one that got chose, but no. What did he do? He obeyed the Lord but in humility, in humility. And you see, it was God's grace that moved in the heart of Esau at that juncture in time to have compassion 
on his brother and they restored their relationship at that juncture. But folks, the key here is that Jacob, after the Jabbok River, he took steps of obedience like God had asked him to. And so listen, the question then that you have to ask yourself is this. Listen, are you obeying God in the area of life that you want him to bless you in? Ask yourself, am I obeying God in this area of my life that I want God to bless me, to intervene, to protect, to act? And here's the thing, there's so many people, sad to say, there's so many people who want the blessings of God. I want God, bless me, bless me, bless me, but no God, I won't obey, obey, obey. You see, so many people want their God to bless their marriage. But yet at critical moments, they don't want to obey God in their marriage. So many people want God to bless their family life. But when you really look at the priority of God in their family life, God is a distant second, third, or fourth. So many people want God to bless them in their romantic relationships, in the pursuit of a husband, of a wife. Yet they don't obey God in their dating life. And they don't say pure into marriage. So many people want God to bless my business, my career, Lord bless me. But yet, they cut corners and they do semi-unethical things to get their way. Thinking that they just doing that, they can get accomplished more than God can do for them. Others that say, oh God, I want you to bless my, my finances, Lord, bless my finances, but yet we don't want to honor God in our finance. We don't give back to the Lord. We don't want to give our tithes and our offerings, but yet we want God to bless us. See, my, my warning for all of us is we cannot be hypocritical in a walk with God, right? Listen. If you want to God for God to experience God's blessing, his hand at work, all these things, listen, then you obey the Lord in what he's asking you to do. Can I get an amen to that? Because listen, when we seek the Lord and when we obey the Lord, right, God has a way of honoring and, and working in our lives that we can never even, even imagine or dreamed of. Can I get an amen for that? Amen? But folks, here's what I want you to understand and it's so important. Even when God does bless and when he does act, here's what I want you to remember, so important. Write this down as big number three. That all of God's blessings are ultimately because of God's grace. You see, God did not bless Jacob because Jacob dominated him or forced him into submission, no. He, in fact, quite the opposite, if we, as we read earlier, God touched his hip and dislocated his hip to the point that he began to limp to show him that the one who was in control was not him, it was God himself. See, when God blesses us, it's always because of his grace. This is why God's word again in the book of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what, church? Of grace. It doesn't say the throne of merit. The throne of grace. 
Don't miss this because listen, when we pursue the Lord, it's not transactional. Don't fall into the mentality that as long as I do these things, God now owes me. Oh, you must act, Lord. This is a transaction between me and you, God. No, listen. Listen, when we see God, it's because we love God. It's because we love to pursue him, to know more of him, to be surrendered to him, amen? And listen, whatever way he chooses to bless us, we as his children are gonna be okay with it. Why? Because at the end of the day, our heavenly father knows what is best for you. And sometimes the way he responds and honors your pursuing of you, of him, at times may not be exactly what you thought, but it's exactly what you needed because he loves you. Can we praise our heavenly father for that today? And folks, listen, let me end with this. Because this past week, listen, I did a little bit of wrestling with God myself. You know, this past week, on, it was Tuesday, and I had just finished up here at work, and I was heading back home. And when I got home, Camila, my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, was in the pool with her grandfather. And I don't know how this happened, but somewhere along the way, she got a deep gash in a very delicate place. And so she began to cry, and the blood started pouring, pouring out. So at that juncture, I rushed her to the doctor. When the doctor examined her, uh, he said, this, this cut is just way too big. She needs, she needs, this needs to be surgically repaired. So her doctor, Dr. Floyd, called the, 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 the surgeon at Miami Children's, and we rushed her to Miami Children's. He was there waiting for her. We got her in there. And folks, we were in the pre-op room. I got to tell you, I began to wrestle with God there. And the first thing I did, let me tell you, I started just to pray. I just started to talk to God about what was going on. And then for whatever reason, he, even though I hadn't read this in a long time, he brought to me back, he said, Omar, go to Psalms 23. And after I prayed, I began to read. And I was, remember just pacing back in the pre-op room and I was reading this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, O oh God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Listen, the Lord had not promised me that Camila was going to be fine. And there was a lot of concerns, you know, going into, she had to be put full under and she had just eaten so the, the fear of her vomiting in the middle, you know, all those little complications that come with surgery. So, Camille, so God had not promised me that Camila was going to be okay after. But what he did promise me is that whatever happened, he was going to be with me. He was my shepherd his rod and his staff, they come for me. He would lead me beside still waters, beside green pastures. And look, at some point I, after I reminded myself the promises of God, I've made my request to the Lord, Lord, protect her as she goes in. There was a moment that I had to obey. And I, in my heart, entrusted her to the Lord. And by the grace of God, she was perfect. She came out great, thank God. She's, you know, no pain right now, thank God. She's in CF Kids right now. Praise the Lord, right? Praise God. 
But here's what I want to encourage you. Listen, child of God, at those critical moments, those hard seasons in your life, remember those three things. You pray to God. You remind yourself the promises of God. And you begin to obey the Lord in that moment in life. And so here's how I want to end today. And we're going to sing a song after this. But I want to just give some time for us, because many of us right now have a feeling you guys are wrestling in your walk with God right now in one way, shape, or form. All of us are going through something in our life right now that we need to talk to God about. Can I get an amen to that? And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, few, I'm going to give you a few moments of stillness for you right now, wherever you're seated and all campuses, to close your eyes by your heads. And you know what? Just talk to God. Do the three things. Pray to the Lord. Talk to him about what's going on in your life, what concerns you. Remind yourself of the promises of God. And in your heart say, you know what? I'm going to start obeying right now. I'm going to obey. So take some few moments, and then I'll pray, and then we will sing a song of praise. Father, we as a church, individually and collectively, oh God, Father, we confidently approach the throne of grace. We draw near, oh God, so that we can help, help find help in the time of need. So my Lord, my prayer for all of us, oh God, is that we will be people of prayer, people who cling on to the promises of God, and Lord, that we would then walk in obedience in every season of life. And we know, Lord, that you're listening and that you're never going to leave us or forsake us, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.